Okay, POV. It's 2019. The Met Gala Live red carpet is playing on E! News. Harry Styles just walked on. Okay, you see he looks good. The carpet is pink. You decide to listen to the album the next day. Second POV. It's a week later, and the only thing you have listened to every single day, at least twice, is the Harry Styles debut album, Harry Styles. No one seems to know about it. It is the quiet before the storm. Hello. <laughs> did we like that? <laughs> I hope we did. I like it, I think. It's corny, but in an authentic way, and I love that. Hello. Welcome back to Hall, if you please. I'm Kaylin Hall, and I'm super excited to be back with you for another episode. Thank you for coming back, or if this is your first time, thank you for being here. I love that you are here with me, and I'm so grateful to share this space with you. It is never going to absolutely boggle my mind that people can go on their little phones and their little laptops and their little computers and iPads and whatever devices and click on the podcast and listen to it. The fact that you took your thumb, maybe an index finger if you're feeling really crazy, and said, let me, (laughs) allow me to listen to this podcast, that is insane to me. I am so grateful. I love to talk and I love to talk about the things I love. So you partaking in that is one of the most authentic experiences in my life. And I am so grateful and humbled and blessed that I have this space to talk. And I love you and thank you for being here. Um, I love you for that, by the way. I love you because you listen, um, that you choose to be here. I think that's enough to earn my love for you. A little bit of housekeeping, okay? I've been blessed to live a life. Isn't that amazing? I've seen a bird before and I have flowers in my bedroom and I have a bed and I have a stool and I have fake flowers as well as real ones just you know to spice it up and I have fans and AC and during the summertime and I have food and I love my life because I get to live it. I even have a calendar to write things to remember. A calendar to write down the beautiful parts of my beautiful life that I get to experience. I've been blessed enough to live a life. And I've been blessed enough to grow up with Harry Styles as a celebrity. How beautiful (laughs) or is it that we get to live in a time where Harry Styles exists? I've loved that man since I was about eight years old. Now, I'm going to be completely honest with you. My love for him has definitely devolved. It is definitely more passive now. It is definitely a little bit more silent. He's like an old vintage book that I used to love that's tucked away in the bookshelf of my mind. I very rarely take it out and read it again. But when I do, it's enjoyable and nostalgic and I'm brought back to that time. Very rarely would I say an album could ever define me, and this isn't a start. However, this album has such a specific time of my life imprinted on it. Again, old vintage book, nostalgia, brings back memories. I want to share with you a quote that Harry said in an interview with Rolling Stone. He says, Who's to say that young girls who like pop music, short for popular, right? 
have worse musical taste than a 30-year-old hipster guy. That's not up to you to say. Music is something that's always changing. There's no goalposts. Young girls like the Beatles. You're going to tell me they are not serious? You, they are our future. Our future doctors, lawyers, mothers, presidents. They kind of keep the world going. Teenage girl fans, they don't lie. If they like you, they're there. They don't act too cool. They like you and they tell you, which is sick. Harry Styles, the album. <laughs> it's just so funny to think that there's Harry Styles and then there's Harry Styles, the album. Um, in the biz, we call it HS1, but I'll refer to that sort of interchangeably. I'll either say HS1 or Harry Styles, either or. This album <laughs> was released May 12th, 2017. That's what I like. Shape of You, Humble, Despacito, Mask Off, Something Just Like This, DNA, I Spy, Exo Tour Life, and It Ain't Me are the top 10 songs on the Billboard Hot 100. Harry Styles then decides to release a soft rock, exclusive, self-absorbed album that no one gets. If anything, okay, it's almost pretentious, this album. As much as I'll praise it, keep in mind that the fact is that it has Harry Styles' name on it, and there's a lot of weight there. The album isn't bad by any means, it's just lacking for a debut. If this wasn't a Harry Styles album, if the album wasn't called Harry Styles and have his name on it literally, it wouldn't have done as good as um, it did. Not to say that it doesn't deserve its success, it's just that it's lacking and exclusive and wasn't made for the market at the time. Not to say that music has to be made for the market, but this was coming at a time where it was very artificial, a lot of the music in the top 100. And, you know, Kendrick Lamar excused from this. But, you know, it's just... It feels like he was trying too hard to be too good. We'll see him lean on the backs of Elton John, David Bowie, The Rolling Stones, Paul McCartney. Because it, the whole album just feels like he was... Tr- it was more important that it was good than it was real. And that's one of the main reasons that it lacks. That's one of its main faults. But we'll get into it. I mean, this album isn't even listed as an essential album, which I understand. Harry really finds his mess, messy and chaotic as he does, he finds his voice on fine line. And then he'll then polish that voice up on Harry's house. And Harry... Harry Styles, HS1, is not a good representative of his voice. In fact, I was playing the song the other day, and the person I was playing it for said, Harry Styles doesn't sound like this anymore. Like, this isn't Harry Styles anymore, which was so accurate. That being said, let's get into the album. My first recommendation is going to be Woman. God, do I love Woman. It is such an underrated hit. Okay, here... Harry is possessive, and frankly, the most toxically masculine he has ever been. He's irreverent and unrelenting as he repeats woman again and again throughout the chorus. The song is cherry red and like a light blush dusty pink. And that very sweet space between golden hour 
and sunset. Except you're on a beach and you're drinking sangria and red wine. It's a drive during blue hour. Mitch, who is just truly a gem of the Harry Styles band, lays down a burningly sultry guitar solo. I actually prefer this one over the one in She. She is incredible, okay? And I'm realizing now that woman and she both bring up amazing, <laughs> amazing guitar solos out of Mitch. And it maybe has something to do with the fact that both of them are ways we refer to women. I don't know. Just a theory. However, she is its own thing. And that is a podcast for another day. However, the guitar solo in Woman is just so burningly, sizzlingly incredible. It's orgasmic, genuinely. But, like, not in this, like, extremely grandiose way. It's just good. It just plays into my soul. And it's incredible. I just think that Harry here, lyrically, is just so... I mean, I really want to harp on how possessive he is here. He's jealous, but also, you know, wanting and lustful. I think that's interesting. This thing upon me howls like a beast, you flower, you feast, is an inconceivable line to ever be written into a song. Probably because Harry didn't write it. It's actually Charles McCaskey who Harry is known to like, at the end of the day. It's a song about sex, and lust, and wanting, and possessiveness. And just a pro tip, a little inside lore, any song with the name Mitch Roland in the lyrics is a guaranteed hit. So look for his credit, and you will love whatever it is. That's woman for you. Take a break, listen to it, come back, or... Listen to the rest of the podcast and then go listen to it. This is probably the song I'm going to recommend most to you. But the second song I'm going to recommend is From the Dining Table. I personally love From the Dining Table and it's another underrated hit, okay? Harry uses violin and orchestra so specifically. It is always in the bridge and it's always for a specific idea. And that idea is imagination. He does it in Olivia, a song he wrote while in One Direction, and he does it here. Maybe those two songs are about the same person. Though, that's just a personal theory that I like. Because, okay, let's unpack it. The violins in Olivia are dreamy. He's singing about living in her imagination. Here, from the dining table, the violins are poignant and melancholic. The song is about equal sense regret as well as heartbreak. Isn't that such a specific thing to have your heart broken but still being the one feeling sorry? Simp. Back to the violins though. If in Olivia the violins at the bridge are dreamy and mystical and wonderful, here the violins are sad and the lyrics I think are kind of incredible because on Olivia he's singing that he lives in her imagination and that the world is her creation and it's beautiful but here 
as the violins are playing and the orchestra comes in, he's singing, maybe one day you'll call me and tell me that you're sorry too. And he just repeats it again and again and again. (laughs) I have to laugh. I have to giggle because that's insane. Harry doesn't perform from the dining table and I understand why. But it's just one of his best, in my opinion. I think he put down a track on an album that can at times feel restricted and, quite frankly, artificial. From the Dining Table is just carefully crafted. And when I say restricted, it is because Harry so clearly cares on this album. He's so clearly aware that there's an audience, that there's pressure. And from the dining table, all of that pressure turns into a diamond. All of that caring creates a beautiful track where even in the smallest ways, he's able to express an idea. And it almost feels subconscious, like he doesn't realize how incredible the song is. That he just took the genuine and raw emotion and through the violins and the orchestra, and even the way you can so clearly hear the fingers moving on the guitar, and how the song is mainly based in string work on the guitar, it brings this rawness and the sadness to it as he's singing about this emotion. And From the Dining Table is obviously mahogany wood. It's tan wood and this kind of tan color and it's shades of brown and beige and like a cream white and black and it's just, you know, it's sad and it's remorseful. We haven't spoke since you went away. Comfortable silence is so overrated. Why don't you ever be the first one to break? Even my phone misses your call, by the way. The whole song can be summed up into those lines. Also, Mitch Rowland is in the writing credits. So, you know. Next song we have is Carolina. I have a theory that Kiwi... Carolina, Only Angel, and Woman are a group of friends. They live in different major cities, Paris, Milan, New York, London, okay? But they meet up for dinner parties at each other's houses and they share their life stories. Carolina is the one who makes the plans. Carolina is twangy and citrusy. It's in country vein, but it's so clearly its own thing. Harry is fun in a restricted way. Like, he's scribbling, but within the lines, which is interesting. There's this songs with the name in the title effect that I believe exists. You can see it in sort of Rolling Stones and almost like, okay, a lot of Rolling Stones songs are Rolling Stones songs. They're distinct and they arouse a certain idea out of you and create a certain kind of feeling. And I also want to say that this is almost Harry's Rolling Stone song. It's his Mrs. Robinson song. It's his Roxanne. Because he's singing to us about a girl, whoever she may be. The song is about this fixation with this girl and how good she is. It's very tongue-in-cheek. He's almost teasing. It's lustful, but not sultry more hazy. If woman is pure, slow sex, Carolina is a quickie in like a hotel room. 
Okay. Also, Oh Anna, which is an unreleased track that Harry performed on his first tour, is in the Carolina vein. So if you like Carolina, you should probably listen to that and have just as fun an experience. Also, Faith. If you like the song Faith, um, he kind of samples that in Oh Anna, which I love. Anyways, that is the three songs I have to recommend you from the Harry Styles album. The whole album, I'm going to say, is worth the listen, but I'm not going to require you to listen to it. I'm not going to urge you to listen to it, but it is worth it if you check it out. And it's honestly, Harry's House may be my favorite Harry Styles album, but I think that this is honestly just golden, pun unintended, in my book in Harry's discography. It is, yes, restricted, and like he's trying too hard to be too good and be too um, poetic and make sounds that sound too, I don't know, like sounds that we've heard before that we know are good. However, I still think it's a gem of an album, and it is a perfect album. All of that intention, all of that overthinking that he so clearly does on the album and all of that trying does pay off. It is a great album. It's a good album. And I think that my only reason why I would say I wouldn't urge you to listen to it is because it just so clearly stands out in his discography and it isn't a good representation of who he is. Regardless, if you don't listen to the whole album, listen to those three songs. They are incredible and essential to his discography, in my opinion, and also just essential to have in your playlist. I think those are three incredible songs that just did not get talked about enough, in my opinion. That being said, that's all I have to say about the album. Let's get into the second segment, the downplay of the teenage girl. It's important to mention to y'all that as they talk about Harry Styles, I need you to remember that this is 2019 Harry Styles, not quite the man we know today. At this point, Harry Styles is borderline underground. The album didn't do exceptionally well in the scope of public reception. He's not in the top charts. He's not on social media in TikTok audios, the way you would say he is now. But so many young women lived and breathed for this album, had a vigorous love for it, but it was barely spoken about. Girls, especially young girls' opinions, have been constant and consistently erased from the narrative of music and film. Did you like the way I said that with so much intensity, with so much vigor? Like I was really laying down the law there. Look, I don't care that you think that no one's made a good song since 1971, or that you think that Pulp Fiction is cinematic excellence. If you have favorites, have favorites. If you have favorites that make you question how anyone could live their lives without having heard the 1975's album, that's okay. The problem is, when we take others' opinions, especially young women's opinions, and belittle them, and abase them, to make it seem like they couldn't possibly know what they're talking about. Harry Styles is a perfect example of this. It wasn't until quarantine when Harry Styles' music really caught wind, and God did it catch that wind, 
watermelon sugar became big. And even Adoree was getting the exposure she long deserved. But Harry really stepped into himself, into the media after his Grammy, after his third album. Now, I've been told on multiple occasions that Harry's house, that, okay, let me run that back. I've been told on multiple occasions pre-Harry's house that listening to Harry was questionable, that he just didn't make good music, that they didn't get it. Then a group of men say it's all right, and suddenly we all get it now. I'm going to read you a quote from The Insider that says, Styles was once just a member of the boy band One Direction, beloved only by female teens and tweens when he entered the public scene in 2010. But by 2017, he set the record for best-selling first week for an album by a British male artist, and he's become a a global fashion icon, serving as a co-chair of the 2019 Met Gala. This happened to the Beatles, too. Most of the Beatles' audience was teen girls. Girls who loved the music. Girls who got it. As the Beatles became popular in 1964, a craze known as Beatlemania swept the world. The Beatles were even larger than the previous generation's heartthrob, Elvis Presley. They appealed to an even larger audience than Presley because they were more approachable and less traditionally masculine than alpha male Elvis. And better yet, there were four of them each with his own unique appeal. Yet, adults sneered at the passion with which teenagers consumed the Beatles. Journalist Paul Johnson wrote an article for The Statesman, a British publication, in 1964 stating, Those who flock round the Beatles are the least fortunate of their generation. The dull, the idle, the failures. Nowadays, the Nowadays, the Beatles are viewed as true artists and are often the subject of gatekeepers who don't believe others can truly appreciate them. But it was teenage girls who made them popular in the first place. Even though the Beatles' popularity came quickly among fans and critics, it was solidified when they broadened their horizons and explored new things like movies and psychedelic rock, which helped them continue to be popular among the masses. The teenage girls of the 60s created that star power even before the critics did. Each individual Beatle went on to have a successful solo career after the band broke up, and Paul McCartney was even knighted. That was from Drops of Ink. From As the Beatles Became Popular to that whole section, that's all Drops of Ink, another article. And I need to tell you that that whole article is incredible. So is the Insider's article. Um, I'm forgetting the names now. I will be sure to write the names of these articles next time I put them in. However, read them. They're incredible. Or just do your own research. But it wasn't until literal decades later when, I guess, the horrendous hysteria of teenage female excitement wore off, grown men listened to the genius of the band and labeled it as such. But they were seen as a fad at first. Teenage girls have consistently kept art afloat. Their opinions, their passions, it's the driving force of most art industries. I mean, do you know what it is to live in an album? From its release, even before its release, but especially when it's released, to seeing it live. Most teenage girls can relate to this euphoric feeling of listening to good music, of being defined by a song, of understanding an artist so 
intimately and them understanding you. A 2004 study by Jupiter Research showed that girls ages 13 to 17 spent 15% more money on online music than boys of the same age. Girls were also twice as likely than boys to look up information regarding concerts and tours. A 2018 analysis of Spotify data by the New York Times showed that the music we listen to as teens shapes our music taste for the rest of our lives. This influence on musical preferences is even stronger in women than men. On average, women's favorite songs came out when they were 13, 14 for men, and yet teenage girls' interests are often dismissed, trivialized, and have been and have even caused extreme reactions. In 1957, reporter Mac Reynolds wrote in the Vancouver Sound, Vancouver Sun, excuse me, if any daughter of mine broke out of the woodshed tonight to see Elvis Presley, I'd kick her teeth in. That's also from Drops of Ink. Women know what's up, and their musical preferences have always reflected that. And I think it's just funny that such a large demographic of music movies, books, are the demographic that isn't being listened to, that's being downplayed. Fun fact, by the way. Don't quote me on this, I'm like about 80% sure this is true, but I'm like 100% sure at the same time, okay? The reason why women have, over years and years and years, been able to consistently be such a loud voice in arts and media and pop culture is because a lot of these men were at war. So women turned to arts and leaned into the arts in a lot more intense ways than men were able to. I just think that's a little bit fascinating. I think that those stats is why it's so frustrating to me when men got on their high horses about the arts. I'm not even saying that women know more. I'm just saying that they know. And to write young women off as inferior for liking Taylor Swift is nothing short of insane to me. You're not a better person because you listen to The Doors or The Smiths or The Beatles or The Zombies or some other miscellaneous band that is indie, quote unquote, or, and or from years ago. There's a very real possibility in the future that people will gatekeep Harry Styles' music from teenage girls as they do now with the Beatles, forgetting who made them both popular. Teenage girls, as the leading consumers of music, are often dismissed and overlooked, and they deserve to be heard. Who will be the next breakout star? Ask a teenage girl. That's another quote from an article. I want to say it's also drops of ink. I'm not 100% sure. Please look it up. That is not my original thought. I don't know why I don't have the quote written here. However, I will find the source and I will put it in the podcast notes because I will cite all my sources in the podcast notes. Talk about bibliography. That's why I think Taylor Swift is such an interesting artist to look at as well because we see her now in this beautiful era. I'll elaborate on that more either. But like Taylor Swift has always been a great artist. And she's been an artist mainly catered to women. So is that why people don't get her? Is that why, you know, she's not as good of an artist? Hmm. Because Taylor Swift makes great music. And a lot of people would say that, or have said in the past that she's not a valid artist or have downplayed her fans or her music. When in reality, Taylor Swift has been writing songs for girls for a very long time. So something's not adding up here. 
just just pointing that out. Becoming a fan means taking on the stigma that comes with liking the artist. Learning to feel comfortable being labeled as a fangirl and having to continuously justify their interest in the artist. For Caitlin Carner, senior, becoming a public One Direction fan meant becoming more comfortable with herself and learning to accept the preconceptions that came with liking them. When I was little, I pretended I hated One Direction during the root of my tomboy phase because I was seeking validation from males in my life and didn't want to be labeled as a fangirl type personality. I think most women have renounced something they liked because they said it wasn't good. Oh, before we go on, that whole little quote I just read, I think that's also from Jobs of Inc. Um, Just so we're on the same page, you and I, okay? But I do think most women have renounced something they liked because men said it wasn't good. And the only reason men say it isn't good is because they don't understand it. And the reason they don't understand it is because they don't see beyond the experiences and creations of other men. They're not meant to relate to women. They're not meant to engage in the stories and fantasies and dreams and hopes and goals and heartbreaks and tragedies of women. Whereas women are not only taught to relate to men, but to aspire for their approval. Men do listen. Men do. Women do listen to men's songs. Women do listen to men's dreams, hopes, goals, heartbreaks, tragedies, loves, and fantasies. Women will listen to Harry Styles, Ed Sheeran, Shawn Mendes, The Doors, The Smiths, The Zombies, The Beatles. But men will not listen to Taylor Swift and Lana Del Rey and Phoebe Bridgers and Gracie Abrams and Haim and Charlie XCX and these popular female artists, or even Ariana Grande, another one. Men will not listen to these artists because these are artists with mainly female demographics. Throw and do a leap in there too while you're at it. I feel like a lot of women will not listen to men. Um, <laughs> no, that's not what I mean. A lot of women will renounce the things that they like for male's approval to be the cool girl the one with quote-unquote taste. But who's to say that taste at men's standards is taste? Who's to say that the only boy is the boy's opinion? I don't know what I just said. My brain just short-circuited. But who's to say that that only the boy in your DMs knows what real music is? There's a quote. I don't want to read it because I'm very frustrated that I don't have the actual sources, but the quote basically goes on to say that um, women have always been criticized for having quote-unquote basic taste, and it makes them feel embarrassed. Of course it does, but I feel like most men feel like they are musical geniuses, musical critics, truly the creme de la creme of taste, because they know every lyric on a Kanye West album or they love ACDC, or they love Pink Floyd, and I just don't get it. What makes it basic other than a lot of girls liking it? Why why do we demean the teenage girl and her interests to being basic? Young adult books usually aren't accepted as capital L literature, particularly when the story features a female protagonist. They're not written for adults or boys, so they're often written off as frivolous and superficial. That's a quote from The Insider. Barbie is another example of this, with according to a couple of articles I've read, about 65% of its audience 
was female. And then that movie broke a billion at the box office. Sure, it's just music and it's just movies and it's just art. But we all know, we all feel that it's more than that. Firstly, we're teaching young women that their opinions do not weigh the same as men's. Then we teach them to repress their feelings. We tell them that Taylor Swift is embarrassing to like, that liking One Direction should be embarrassing. I think that's why Taylor Swift being the it girl now, happy on tour, with all the support from young women is just so beautiful. Because it feels like we're creating a new narrative where we're letting girls share in Taylor's genius together with an undeniability of her art. We can be proud to be Taylor Swift fans. We can go to these concerts and make an experience and discuss and dance and listen to and sing along to Taylor Swift's songs. And I think that that's awesome. And it's something that we're all embracing and accepting and celebrating that we are girls and we like Taylor Swift because she knows better than anyone what it means to be a girl. I think that's pretty incredible. Or we all know better than anyone what it means to be a girl. But I think Taylor Swift knows better than anyone how to write being a girl. Teenage girls have recently become even more aware of the ways in which society judges them. There was a trend on TikTok not so long ago where people were challenged to name something teenage girls could like without being judged or being made fun of. TikTok users were unsuccessful in completing the challenge, and as a result, teenage girls quickly realized the harsh reality of the constant scrutiny they are subjected to. Whatever you do, people are going to hate you. Like, oh, I like Taylor Swift. So basic. Or, oh, I don't. Oh my god. Like, you think you're so cool, said Meha. Even girls within fandoms find themselves judging other fandoms and artists. Kerner said, even though I was a fan of One Direction, I still felt the victim to labeling teenage girls. With Taylor Swift and her fans, I was like, oh, Taylor Swift just writes about all her exes, and she's not that good. But no, Taylor Swift is one of the best songwriters ever. That's a quote from the Stargazer. If you were to blind yourself and throw a dart at the dartboard of pop culture, the chances of its popularity being filled by teenage girls is high. So I urge each and every single little one of you rats listening to this, okay? Because if you've, I know you've done it. Whether you're a teenage girl and you've downplayed yourself, whether you're a teenage boy and you've downplayed a teenage girl, I know everybody's done it because that's what the patriarchy is. I'm just, I'm going to revoke the rats, okay? I'm going to take that back. I don't mean it. I'm just frustrated, okay? However, I shouldn't have called you a rat and I apologize, okay? <laughs> However, I urge you all to listen to teenage girls. Listen to young women. And I mean listen to them. Not just womp, 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 hear what they're saying. I mean listen. Ask them about what they like, why they like it. Then listen to it yourself. Their tastes are just as valid and worthy of respect. And honestly, I think teenage girls' tastes deserve the acclaim that men's tastes get. Because when a man sits there and he's like, I love the Smiths. I love David Bowie. Have you ever even listened to Marvin Gaye? Have you listened to the early Beatles albums? I don't think you have. Like, okay, I get that. And that's good and valid. However, 
so is the album Folklore, okay? So is the album um, Fusion Nostalgia. I'm sorry, that album is very, very good. It's pop perfection. Young women have good taste. Young ladies have always known what's up. They've always had to. No one knows culture better than the teenage girl. With that, that's all I've got for you today. I love you very much. Thank you for being here. And thank you for listening all the way. Whether you did or didn't. Thank you. I'll see you next week. I love you again. And goodbye.